0: Hey everyone just letting you know niels had a wisdom tooth removal surgery um this week so there's no recap since we didn't feel like we need to record this week when he's still um recovering from surgery so just as a little disclaimer no recap this week but the episode is here let's join in on game master etiquette have fun So Niels... There's been a recent post on social media, Twitter. I don't know where else, by the way. I've seen it on Twitter um, from MT Black, who is um, a freelance tabletop game designer that has designed parts of D&D adventures, that has designed their own D&D games or D&D adventures, and also some official materials. Yeah, very knowledgeable, very veteran in the scene, more or less, in the creation scene and in the DD scene itself. And MT Black has used his following to to basically make a poll about what they would want a dungeon master to be like or what they are like as a dungeon master. And basically from that compiled a list of rules for dungeon master etiquette. Mm -hmm. He has also done one of these rule sets or etiquette sets on player etiquette already as far as i know but we're not going to be talking about that today we're only here to talk about the dungeon master etiquette thing and what we think of all of each every rule if we think there's something missing and if we basically disagree on certain things or if we don't obviously as always right this is just a discussion this is our opinion this is right it's just normal this this doesn't mean this this is polled by thousands of people so obviously there's gonna be a lot of truth in that because empty black has compiled a lot of different answers into just seven rules but there might also be obvious things missing that maybe have been omitted for reasons Hmm. that we don't know so this is not to critique necessarily what these rules are this is just to we can get to discussing dungeon master etiquette because i think it is a very important
1: topic to discuss yeah definitely especially in regards to subreddits for example like ttrpg horror stories and stuff um if gms more uh, stick more to a good etiquette in general without necessarily now defining what it is or what makes that or what this consists of most of the stuff in ttrpg horror stories would be thrown out of the window with ease
0: i mean at least all that come from a horror gm right exactly
1: since we are talking about gming etiquette and not player etiquette but yeah i would say roughly 90 to 95 percent of these posts would just be gone and not have been made if everyone would roughly stick to some sort of etiquette
0: yeah and let's be real something that we as a space need to accept or, or shouldn't necessarily accept but need to know is that there is a lot of horror stories out there i mean the rpg horror stories Subreddit has nearly 300,000 members. Now, we, we can talk about what that means, but I think there's like roughly 15, 20 stories a day posted in that subreddit. Mm-hmm. now if we say there's roughly that's roughly 70 percent of those are gm stories and 30 percent of those are player stories or whatever because i think a lot of the horrors at a table come more often from the gm side yeah because it is a more controlling position it is a more powerful position which leads to more horror stories mm-hmm. in that regard and we need to accept that there is a lot of bad horrible gms out there that do stuff most of the time i will even say maybe unknowingly that they are doing it. Hmm. Because right they have no better idea they don't know any better. They have never because dungeon mastering or game mastering is a thing that there is it is taught. I mean there are shows like Double DM that teach you how to be a good dungeon master I would say. But even that is something right it is my perspective of how to be a good GM. Exactly. Not everyone's perspective is the same. But generally there is not necessarily that much stuff out there for being a good GM right because it is a, such a unique And individual task that it's very hard to be, it's not very hard to be a good GM, but it's very easy to fall into a a trap and become one of these horror bad GMs because one mishap could lead or could already lead to such a horror story. Now that that might not be necessarily good in itself, that one one failure on your part can already lead to players disliking your playstyle. That's kind of that can also be a bad thing and it's kind of toxic. However, Mm. right, just because of how the hobby is and how the position that you're in is. It is. Um, it is very hard to find good advice. And necessarily. It's not very hard to find good advice. It's just very hard to. I don't want to say understand what you're doing.
1: Yeah, but but I get I get what you're what you're saying because being a GM is a very subjective and individual process mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. situation. And even though it is catered basically to you as a GM, every group you GM for has a different understanding of what a good GM is and what isn't. And what is what can be an amazing GM for one group can be a horrible GM for another group. If you just played with one group over and over again and you nailed that, uh, you got that down, perfect GM for that group, and then play with a different group that doesn't like that. Bam, and suddenly you are a quote-unquote horrible GM without ever changing anything just because it's a different playstyle from what you usually play or... Uh, the players have a different play style than what your usual group plays with that you've accustomed
0: yeah. I mean a lot of the resources and it's not even resources for TtRPGs in the space are actual play and <clears throat> this is where a lot of these horror stories sometimes also stem from right I have a mad Mercer GM that wants to have the group be exactly like the critical role table or something like that right that is also part of a horror story because a lot of a lot of the materials out there aren't materials but are actual plays and you're the GM that has started because of these materials of these actual plays wants to be like that gm because Mm -hmm. that is what that is their vision of a perfect good gm and they're doing that but what you first need to realize which is a kind of hard realization is gming is a unique and individual craft of your own there is no one out there that can perfectly show you how to do it and yet still we're here to talk about these etiquette rules because i think these seven etiquette rules one thing that they do very well is very simply be applicable to at least 90-95% of the time you're playing because they're yeah. so broad and easy to understand. That also means that there are some parts where I would say there's an easy example to be made that where this rule doesn't apply or where this rule fails maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't the point right? The point is that you are easily able to navigate being a GM thanks to these seven rules and that is a great thing because these rules have been polled by a thousand people then compiled by a very good craftsmen of GMing hmm. and have now been discussed online to be maybe even better in a new revised version if that one ever comes out. I mean the discussions around these rules have mostly been positive at all. Like this is great, I love these and I can already take this way. we will love most of these rules anyway. Hmm. Maybe some wording won't fit us, but generally these seven rules are good rules.
1: Yeah, the general vibe of everything that is in that list is pretty good.
0: Yeah, but we still can and should discuss them, especially since we're a podcast about game mastering and dungeon mastering. Exactly. They're a very good topic to talk about. And we've never had an episode on dungeon master etiquette per se. So Mm. why not talk about them? So how this is going to go is we're going to go and change, right? You start, I go, you you start, then the next rule is mine, then the next rule is yours. So you take the first rule, read the entire rule out loud for the class, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then we can discuss if maybe some of the wording doesn't fit or what we think of the rule.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Then let's just dive right in with the first one. Consistency is key. Apply the rules consistently. Be clear about whether you're using official rules or house rules and ensure that players understand and experience them uniformly throughout the campaign. If you need to make a change, communicate the reasons why and get a player buy-in. In In the same way, present the game world details as consistently as possible. This greatly aids player immersion. Okay, so my first thing about this
0: rule is actively that I don't think it is a good first rule. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I like the rule a lot because consistency is key. I've said that before a thousand times, especially in what you're communicating to your players, in your game worlds, in your in your GMing style. But at the same time. I don't think it is a good first rule for these seven rules. Yeah. I understand why it's at the top because its first sentence is be clear about whether you apply these rules consistently, consistently, right? These seven rules that I will now follow, these seven rules that will now follow should be applied consistently. That's why this rule is first. And that is true. These rules should be applied consistently. And when you consistently, when you're consistent as a GM, it is easy for your players to understand what you're doing. Yeah. If you're GMing consistently, your players will have a better, better time at your tables. Hmm. And that is true. I just don't think that this rule is a good first rule for these seven rules. Mm-hmm. Because I think there are more. There, the other rules say something more important than this rule. So yeah. I would have put this rule on the seventh place at the end. Now that you've read all rules, memorize them and be consistent in your rulings within them.
1: Exactly. I totally agree. It's an amazing rule, basically, to yeah. have nearly everything as close to the same thing before as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's a more or less uniform style mm. that everyone can get accustomed to, especially the, the style element is mm. uh, in that regard, I think, pretty big to mm. talk about because every group has a different play style and all of that. Every GM has that. But if you're consistently using the same style for more than one session, your players can get accustomed to that style and see if that works for yeah. them or not. And then yeah. make, then as a group, make a decision if the game itself is something for this group or not, or this one person in that group or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah. therefore, consistency not only helps with creating a a more immersive and a better game, but also a more engaging table environment and um, group Mm -hmm. dynamic Mm -hmm. because everyone is on the same page on how this is going to go. The Mm -hmm. basic craft of it behind everything, every description. Everyone is on the same page on that.
0: I think the only criticism that I've already mentioned, right, that this rule is the first and not the last, is I don't know if these rules have been weighted by how important they are by MT Black because because it's not stated anywhere in the document or on the twitter post or whatever so this is definitely not to say that mt black did a bad job of ranking these rules because maybe it's just the first that he wrote down after having seen all the replies mm. because right i just think when if you list them one two three four five six seven a lot of people might assume that this is the golden rule mm. and i think out of these seven rules it isn't the golden rule for me there's yeah. a different rule in these seven rules that i think is the golden rule and i think there's one very tiny detail detail. detail about this rule that I think is um, interesting to talk about because mm-hmm. what does consistency mean as a dungeon master? What does consistency in your style mean? You're allowed to have bad days where you're GMing not to the best of your ability. Mm. You're allowed to try out new different styles but you're still supposed to be consistent in what you do. You, your players should be understanding what is happening. That is what consistency means here, exactly. right? It's not supposed to mean that you should do the same thing over and over again. It's not like in a job where, you, where you're supposed to do consistently the the same work. I am always supposed to do these certain things when I start my workday, for example, right? I have a routine of like 20, 30 minutes for my workdays that I have to do every single workday I clock into work because that is what the consistency needs. I need to answer every single email and message I get. I need to check in with the system if it's still working and stuff like that. And I need to test a few things always. Mm-hmm. That is consistency. I always do these things in the first in the first half hour. Everyone can expect me to do them. In TTRPGs, which is a creative craft, you have not necessarily that consistency, but you should be consistent enough that your players and other people at the table understand what is happening and can engage on that.
1: Exactly. Being clear about what you're trying to do or if you're trying new things is a form of consistency itself. Just being open and clearly stating what is going on. And there's one little thing in the wording uh, which I would like to challenge, is the uh, present the game world details as consistently mm-hmm. as possible. That can be misleading. I, I think I know what this is is trying to say, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure this is a good tip or etiquette rule or whatever, because depending on what you're trying to describe, it might be better to describe it visually um, or describe Mm -hmm. the visuals, the sounds, or engage any other sense and focus more on one of those. This sense can change from situation to, to situation. But I think the consistency part here would be to focus on the most interesting and most immersive sense of um what you are trying to describe but in general be consistent but some might read it as describe everything the same way always start with this always end with this and but i think consistency is more about uh, in this case more about the openness and being consistent in the ways of I'll I'll use the best description for that certain situation to mm. engage most the or engage the players the most that that I think is the best interpretation of being consistent mm. in a description yeah. of the world details yeah.
0: okay rule number 2 respect player agency. Value and respect your players. That means respecting their characters, their decisions, and their creativity. If a player uses an ability or item effectively or creatively, reward this ingenuity rather than looking for ways to counter it. This encourages players to pay attention, think laterally, and engage more deeply with the game. And avoid overriding player decisions or dictating character reactions, as this is a quick way to get players to disengage.
1: Oh yeah, I think this this is a big one. This this is a... Mm -hmm. Big one. It's super important to respect player agency. I mean, we are playing a TTRPG yeah. that has that is a story game with two driving forces. These two driving forces should always be there. Without agency, yeah. there isn't. There aren't any two. There is mm-hmm. just one. And I think this is the core mechanic, quote unquote, of TTRPGs. Having two driving forces. Mm-hmm. Having a call and a response. And then the response side calls again and then the GM side responds. You know, by eliminating that, you kind of dismantle the TTRPG you are playing at a, at its core and that's not fun for anyone really so i 100% agree with respecting your player's agency because that's just super fucking important
0: yeah Uh, this is very very good advice it's not it's also not my golden rule of these seven but it is my my opinion more important than the consistency rule yeah because this is a rule where you actively get something that is very applicable to the game it is very easy to understand what you're supposed to do here because there's an active example more or less Hmm. if one of your players does something very cool and in in and genius, let them do it, engage them on it, reward it instead of countering it. Mm -hmm. Even though I think, right, now this is basically um, Dungeon Master 101, and now we come to Dungeon Master 102, where you're not supposed to counter it. Your NPCs and villains especially should look for a way to counter it. What you should do when your villains look to counter it, when you think of a way how your villains could counter that, is make that the rewarding part. Mm -hmm. Showing that the villain now has to think of a way to counter it. Mm -hmm. Showing that your game has been shaken by the player and is now looking for a response. Mm -hmm. That is part of the reward. The reward then should also be giving them what they want, what they wanted to achieve and doing even more than that, right? They are tricksy. your player, one of your players literally outsmarted the dragon. That should be some kind of very big reward. Either maybe that dragon's um, loyalty as a friend or maybe the dragon or or you are able to steal from the horde or something right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. But why maybe another villain is thinking of a response to that you should make your game moving right this is not necessarily part of these etiquette rules because that might be going a little bit too overboard because I think this rule is perfect in and of itself but just right when when empty black or when when this rule is saying you're not supposed to think of a way to counter it it's not meaning that there isn't that, that there shouldn't be a way to counter it it should just be that you should way more focus on actually rewarding the player for what they just
1: did exactly there's just one thing in there that is that could could be mm-hmm. kind of weird and the, that is dictating character reactions I totally agree that you shouldn't do that but there are some mechanics in some games that di- dictate certain feelings for example in d d the frightened condition your character is frightened per rules how yeah. that manifests is up to the character but you as a GM have to dictate hey your character is fucking frightened what you do with that and how you portray it is completely up to you there we go with the player agency yeah. again but the core is hey hmm. or your character is charmed or I am blocking certain parts for you now
0: because of the game
1: exactly it's not because i want to it's because you failed that saving throw your character is now charmed frightened blah 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 blah. in that regard yeah you shouldn't dictate how the reactions play out but what they entail or rather what Mm. caused them and then the cause for their reaction should be dictated at some points in the game so let's go on with the third one uh Mm. be prepared and knowledgeable Ensure you have a solid grasp on the game rules. You don't need to be an expert, but you should understand the fundamentals. Prepare uh, adequately for each session. The level of preparation required can differ among GMs, as some are naturally adept at uh, improvisation. Determine the amount of prep you personally need to ensure a good session. A knowledgeable and prepared uh, GM facilitates a smoother and more immersive experience for the players. I think... This
0: rule is also very, very great because it is focusing on something I very, very much need the space to talk about. A lot of the times loud voices in the ttrpg space are all about improvisation or prep less prep less prep less and i think that advice is good but what that advice always should entail is saying prep less for your standard exactly do what makes you comfortable when j when gming it is not about being the one that preps the least it is about being comfortable with running a session for your friends at the table that can involve as much prep as you need and no one else can sour that amount of prep you do if someone comes to you with hey i think you could do less prep here and then talks to you about it that is something different but a lot of the times right um I i see a lot of loud voices going you need to prep less improvisation is the best thing about ttrpgs blah 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 blah. and i agree to a certain extent but i always feel like feel to myself but what about those people that are not good at improvising Mm -hmm. they should have a seat at the table too and they need more prep let them do their prep and i know a lot of people obviously would never sour that experience for someone when they say improvise more prep less but it always feels that way and i think just saying that 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 part out loud in these rules is very important especially for a newcomer to the table the hobby.
1: Exactly. I think this is this is the big thing. And it goes hand in hand with the first rule that we have di- discussed that consistency is key. The, uh, prepare as much as you need for a good and amazing and comfortable session for you as a GM and be consistent in that, more or less. Of course, there are days where you prep more or less and depending on your situation, blah, 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 outside factors, you know you know the deal. But overall, preparing the way that you are comfortable running a session mm-hmm. or the amount that you need to run a session comfortably and preparing that amount consistently, while that amount can change depending on how long you've already jammed, is a good link to the first rule, basically, that we just discussed. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree. Especially for newer GMs, as you said, the amount uh, and or in comparison to quote-unquote veteran GMs, there is a disparity between the amount of prep that people might need. Mm-hmm. GMs might need. And that is only natural because the way you, or the way it is, is when you GM more, you learn more. You know more already. You don't have to mm-hmm. prep everything. And therefore you have the knowledge that he uh, that in this post is mentioned by knowing the fundamentals. But first of all, you have to learn the mm. fundamentals. That might take some time. So prepare them for every session first. Yeah. And once you have them down, don't prepare them anymore. Because... Hey, you don't have to. (laughs) Ta-da! Ta-da!
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Rule number four. Honor player boundaries and foster inclusion. Be attentive to your players' comfort levels and boundaries. Avoid introducing content that may be inappropriate. Do not show favoritism towards some players. Rather, ensure the spotlight is shared around equally. In the same way, do not hold grudges against a player. Indeed, avoid being adversarial. And instead, treat all players in a fair and welcoming manner.
1: Uh, this. (laughs) This. Period. basically, It is is
0: such a good, concise rule and needed to be said. I Mm. mean, it it sounds so, so simple, but there are tables, there were tables I was at where that didn't feel like the case. And I'm not going to be saying that it's necessarily that easy as a GM to be attentive of all boundaries and all comfort levels at all times. Mm. No, it isn't. But you have easy ways to make sure to get your players comfortable to make sure you know your players comfort levels right safety safety tools tools. that is the one thing I think that this rule kind of is missing for me it is the exact mentioning of Use safety tools. I don't necessarily understand why it hasn't been said in this rule. I'm not gonna be here to to um say MT Black doesn't believe in safety tools. I have no fucking idea if he does or not. I assume he does believe in them and uses them. With this rule, maybe ha- just having been compiled from a thousand different answers, it could be that that exact wording just fell under the table. Mm-hmm. It's a minor thing. It should have been mentioned for me because I think that that exact mentioning would have given new GMs a way to instantly get into safety tools and understand them and use them correctly yeah. because that rule is a pure safety tool even though the word isn't mentioned even though some people might think that safety tools are more than just understanding each other and being friendly with each other and honoring what the other person wants and needs no that is the most important safety tool it is the safety tool just mm. the basis of all safety tools yeah other safety tools just make that easier finding those comfort levels knowing those player boundaries that Mm. is what safety tools are supposed to do exactly the rule itself is great but I think that it could have just been said use a safety tool they make it easy for you to understand those comfort levels and get those player boundaries so you have an easy easy way to understand everything and know how to navigate it all because that's what you want you don't want to offend anyone that is so
1: easy clear that's etiquette 101 not even dungeon master etiquette 101 it's literal pure basis level let's just be a fucking person you should know that period but it's
0: very well put for a gm here right mm. you are in a position where you could show favoritism you are in a position where you can shine the spotlight mm. so use that ability responsibly and make sure everyone feels a shared experience around the table Hmm. Perfect.
1: I just have one addendum to the spotlight thing. Yeah. I totally agree that overall, over the uh, course of the game that you're playing, how long it, however long it may be, the spotlight should be shared more or less equally. Roughly the same percentages. But yeah. in a session, in one session of a longer going campaign... Mm-hmm. That doesn't always need to be the case because yeah. if you're in a character arc in a in regards to the respecting player agency and their decisions and character blah 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 in some way if they are in their character arc a story that they dri- that they have driven forward mm. and are currently the main focus of that certain story beat why not put more spotlight on that an mm. overall more or less consistent spotlight this um, more or less being consistent with the amount of spotlight that you put on people. And therefore, consistency is key, blah, it always links kind of back. But... I
0: feel one big thing about this is it doesn't need to be exact or precise in what how, may, how much spotlight everyone has. You just need to watch out that it doesn't feel that, that it doesn't necessarily feel like you're ignoring one of the players or one mm-hmm. of their characters. It is okay, right, if at the end of a session, if you would tally it all up, one of the player characters clearly has more focus than the others. That could be for many different reasons. It doesn't have to be favoritism. As long as everyone at the table doesn't feel left out it is okay someone might like to be a little bit less in the spotlight for personal reasons maybe their character doesn't necessarily do all of the front work or whatever and that's okay but it always needs to be made sure that everyone feels good mm-hmm. with the spotlight and not like they are left out
1: yeah there we are again with the player boundaries and comfort comfort levels yeah your hey, safety tools and check in with your players catching <laughs> 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 Step one, use safety tools. Step two, profit. <laughs> Exactly. You don't even need a step two before the profit. Easy peasy. Anyways, fifth one: avoid overbearing control. While guiding the game, avoid being overly controlling in your storytelling. Allow space for a player-driven narrative and be flexible enough to adapt when players take unexpected paths. Mm-hmm. Where possible, incorporate changing character goals into the campaign. Avoid lengthy lore dumps or session domina- sessions dominated by exposition. Uh, or sessions dominated by exposition, and instead balance DM narrative with layer interaction.
0: I mean, yeah, this is entirely true it is the backbone of the medium of ttrpgs to have player or character driven places Hmm. character driven narratives the entire medium is based on these characters that people have created going through someone's story or their or just their story and making an impact in my Hmm. opinion and overbearing control means, yeah, you're g- kind of stifling that point specifically. Hmm. It cannot be a good thing to be too controlling. I think this rule does a great job of explaining that, that you should do it. It doesn't necessarily say why you should do it. Hmm. Most of the rules don't say necessarily why you should do it. But right in this in this instance, right, it, it, it could be that a lot of people might misunderstand this rule as you're not allowed to do anything with your storytelling, which isn't the case. And this rule doesn't say that, but it might be interpreted it that way. Mm. By especially a newcomer, comes into the hobby and sees this rule and thinks, okay, so I'm not allowed to tell a story. You are allowed to tell a story. Your story just needs to be the same as that of the characters. Exactly. And you need characters for a good story. You are not being, you're not able to control the characters. Mm. So don't try to make a good story without characters because it won't be a good story. You need those good characters and when you have those good characters, your story will be good. You can create a very great villain, you can create a great world, but you need those characters. You're reliant exactly. on them as much as those characters are reliant on your game.
1: Exactly. Let's look at this from a <clears throat> literature perspective to have a simile here. You as a GM create the world, the antagonist of every book, of every story that you write. The world around it, the the non-protagonists and the antagonists. But a, if you have all of that and it's amazing, cool and all, but if the protagonists are shit and just completely forced in certain directions. It just feels weird. Bad. eh. So we are again at the point with two driving forces of a story. You need good protagonists and a good world. If you don't have both, eh, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this rule kind of just supports, especially right, the second rule, respect player agency. Mm -hmm. It supports that rule very, very well because if you control too much, you stifle all agency out of the game. You make sure Mm -hmm. your players disengage from the game. They can't do Anything because, right, you're controlling everything. And it's great that this rule is part of these seven rules because it is needed for this discussion to Mm -hmm. have that rule in there to talk about this. I'm going to say that you're allowed to have some control in your story. You're allowed to be um, having your story and you're supposed to have fun too. You're supposed to tell your story too. You just need to make sure that you never think of your story more high than the player characters, I I find, right? You're allowed to say my story is also important, my world is also important, and I want want those things to be important. But if you put them clearly above the player character, The players will notice, maybe even subconsciously, and disengage from the game.
1: Exactly. There's just, again, one little addendum. It's um, the um, example that is given with avoid lengthy lore drops or sessions dominated by exposition, depending on what your characters want to do, this might be a necessity. If your players want to go into a library and research, of course you have to do a lot of exposition and lore dumps because when they want to learn about Mm. the history of the place they are going... I
0: mean, the thing is... Lore dumps are, are a thing in TTRPGs, which I think have a lot of bigger negative connotation than they are actually worth. Mm-hmm. Because you can make them engaging and fun. Yeah. But this is way too much to talk about in such in, in these rules. So I understand why it's in there, right? Because when you think of lore dumps, you think of the GM just talking for two hours about their world. And yeah, no one enjoys that. Exactly. I can understand that. And that is the case,
1: period. Or, or the exposition one. If you enter the villain's lair for the first time, of course, you're going to get a lot of exposition because there are all of these important... details, important things that are Mm -hmm. super impactful on the story that the characters are living, that they're experiencing. So yeah, there might be sessions dominated by exposition because new things fall into place depending on the player's actions. But that's the big part of all of these negatively connotated session types quote unquote. If they are engaged by the players or started by the actions of the players that's fine. Mm -hmm. Don't shy away from them if that's what your players want. If that's what your players initiate that's just one thing that I wanted to put out there
0: yeah it's very important
1: rule number six communicate clearly
0: and effectively keep communication with your players clear and direct when introducing new rules or making other significant decisions discuss these openly with your group to maintain transparency and clarity at the start of each session provide a simple recap of the last session and don't be afraid to ask your players clarifying questions especially when they are describing character actions and just before you get in on this rule this is my golden
1: rule this yeah. should
0: have been rule number one exactly because i think right. it is so applicable to any other rule in this entire thing any other rule of these is supported and bettered and even maybe even overbared, overshadowed by this rule. Exactly. Another rule can be completely taken out of the equation if it is communicated clearly
1: why. Mm-hmm. And I think th- this is this is even more the core of TTRPGs than just having a quote-unquote just having a story with two driving forces and collaborative storytelling and all of that. Yeah. But that, there's the point. It's collaborative. It's a social game. You need communication between everyone at the table, between the players themselves, between the GM and the players. And everything needs just mm-hmm. to be clearly communicated. And if that is not the case, none of the other rules basically matter, in quotation marks, because yeah. if you change something, or if you are inconsistent with a certain thing, but you don't explain why, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But if you are excluding something from the equation, or not be consistent with that that little detail, but communicate why, even if, it's my, if it just might be, hey, trust me, you will find out later it would be a major spoiler for any fun shit that is going on next session or something along those lines mm-hmm. something of hey this wasn't just a mistake this was on purpose for reasons that i can't tell you without spoiling your fun all of that communication 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 it's the basis of what we do because when you as a player just say what your want a character wants to do there it is you say stuff you need to communicate properly the same thing goes for GMs. your world does something you need to communicate that properly. Have a ruling on this ambivalent, word, ambivalently worded rule. You need to communicate why you chose that or that interpretation yeah. over the other. Your characters are afflicted by a condition. Communicate why they are afflicted by this condition and what that condition entails. So the players can make informed decisions on how to act next. Communication is Yay. so fucking important. Yeah but so overlooked in nearly any discussion in the TTRPG space. I don't think anymore, necessarily. It was, but because a lot of people, at least when I started playing, that's where the yeah. where that uh, was coming from, uh, were seeing this as a just a storytelling medium, just a way to have a video game on paper. Be more interactive.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. I think after having played and experienced and read a lot of Powered by Apocalypse games, right? that the way that Powered by the Apocalypse games often say the game is just a conversation has helped me understand so much of how I think of TTRPGs now and want to enjoy them. It is, we are sitting around the table for four hours or five hours or even just two hours or even an hour only. And we're just talking about a shared fiction. Mm -hmm. Nothing more. We can dismantle Every rule, everything in the game, every construct there is, as long as we have agreed on it by talking to each other. Exactly. We can drive it in any direction we want as long as we talk to each other. And no game is worse off when you just do that communication. Mm. Like when you as a player think okay, I want this game to be driven into that direction, whatever direction that is. You are allowed to say out of character, "Hey guys, what do you all think of this?" No, you are just... allowed to. It's not meta gaming. You are allowed to you should do it it is easy it is simple Mm. it is not necessarily often advised to people to Mm. break the shared fiction and talk about stuff outside that fiction
1: that just relates to every other rule that we've read before because hey every rule beforehand had at its core talk to your players and let them talk to you and have an open dialogue about everything that is going on so important to keep a comfortable, steady, and amazing, immersive game going where everyone feels just safe and has fun. Anyways, next mm-hmm. rule would be number seven, the encourage mutual respect. Foster an environment of respect where both GM and players feel heard and valued. Encourage players to actively listen when others are taking their turn. This creates a collegial table environment and often leads to excellent role-playing moments. Check in with players after heavy sessions or if you think someone's boundaries were uh, were violated. Resolve conflicts quickly and directly rather than ignoring them.
0: I mean, this rule is basically a very good rule at the end. It's tying up... The- entire seven rules that you've just that we've just read through. It is kind of a little bit overlapping with I think especially rule four right? Uh, Mm. Honor player boundaries, foster inclusion, encourage mutual respect those things go hand in hand. Like most of these things do. They all go hand in hand but these two rules go very hand in hand Mm. but I think it's a very important thing to state just as an extra again because Mm. it cannot be stated as often as possible. It can just be stated as much as you want. Fostering an environment of respect is the base of communication happening. Mm-hmm. This could also be the golden rule in my opinion. I think the communication is still better because I think most tables already have that respect and mutual inclusion and mutual respect at the table. But I think this is a very important first step to actually being a good table for everyone involved. Yeah. You need to respect each other. And how do you do that? By talking to each other, by hey. using safety tools, by being good people around a table, mm-hmm. by having these seven ed- the kid rules. Hey, and I think yeah, right. This, this, this. The wording is this creates a collegial, terrible environment, and often leads to excellent role-playing moments. That is pure, outright true yeah. I and mean, at your table everyone thinks of everyone as a good person as with respect about them and goes yeah that's great let me help you let's work together on this adventure that is what you want mm-hmm. you want everyone to work together t- towards a common goal with the common goal being let's have a great session today exactly not let's finish the demon lord once and for all that's what the characters are doing but at, at a table right you need to think that these rules are all about the table not the play
1: it's GM etiquette and not how would your characters... It's not character etiquette, it's GM etiquette or player etiquette. That's the point. We are still the people playing certain characters or certain environments, Mm -hmm. certain creatures. But we Um, as the controllers of these things need to have a certain etiquette to enjoy each other's company and to have an enjoyable experience and comfortable experience. So respect is a big thing.
0: One thing that I think about these rules um, that needs to be stated is these rules make it out to be that it is is your job to be the caretaker of the table as a game master. It is not. You're just the person leading the play experience. This is table etiquette. Most of these rules come from table etiquette. And then what you as a game master can do with a superficial, more power that you've been given by the game and the play you have. But generally, you're not more powerful than the players. You're just another person sitting at the table and playing the game with your friends. Yeah. The last thing in this in the, in the in these rules is not necessarily right one of these seven rules, but it is stated following these guidelines will enhance your effectiveness as a GM or DM and help ensure that your gaming sessions are memorable and enjoyable for all players involved. And while I think that is true, I don't think that it makes memorable sessions in and of itself. Mm-hmm. These things just make your tables be fun. These things make your tables be good environments for people to make memorable sessions and fun sessions. They are the foundation. Mm -hmm. They don't make your things memorable in and of itself.
1: Yeah, but they lay the groundwork for everything that can be built upon it.
0: Yeah, without them, you can't have memorable sessions because you won't have sessions for long. Mm -hmm. If you're an asshole to your players, good luck finding players after a few sessions.
1: Exactly. It's like building in a swamp. You can't unless you uh without the building falling over before you lay the groundwork to make it work. Very great analogy. <laughs> hey, Very <sure>. great analogy. <laughs> so we've read through the seven
0: rules. They're great rules. I think you both agree on that. There are a few things that we think that could have been different. If we had made these rules, they would have been in there. The rules themselves are great. Yeah. And if you want them, you can find them on Twitter. We're linking them in the description and stuff like that. Great rules. And you should internalize them a bit if you think that you might be lacking one of them. Because they're great. But I think we We might be able to add something to these rules. Hmm. Another rule, the eighth rule, the double GM rule. That is only for us on our podcast, at least. Niels, do you have one?
1: Yeah. um, All of these seven rules were more or less a passive thing that you should bring to the table rather than an active thing that you should do or could do. And I think one of the biggest things that makes a great GM is... Directly engaging your players. Mm-hmm. Talk to them directly. Ask them what are their thoughts right now. What do uh, how they uh, what they what do they want to do? How do they want to react to the situation? What is their yeah? Wh- wh- how does their attack look or whatever? Mm-hmm. What does all of that mean? Let your players describe certain things and let them. Or ask them to lead a certain experience. Give some responsibility of experiences to the players directly. Not just by be, uh, creating an environment where they could do that, but directly engaging them. When my mm-hmm. when my GM, when I'm a player, directly asks me, hey, what are your thoughts on that? What, uh, what does your character think right now? Then I'll get into a more, okay, wh- what would my character feel? Mm-hmm-hmm. Think about it a second, D- uh, telling it out loud, and then describing how my character still portrays the, these feelings, if they just dis- mm-hmm. uh, portray these feelings, and so on and so forth. That then leads to maybe other ca- players seeing the same thing, thinking about it, to, uh, telling how they would portray it, then seeing how my character portrays their feelings, and then interacting with them, and so on and so forth. Directly engaging one or multiple players at the same time creates Amazing moments at the table. Mm -hmm. That that can only be done when you have these seven passive rules as a groundwork to have a great table Mm -hmm. and a great experience, because then everybody feels comfortable to do these things. But once you have that, directly engage your players. An active thing that you as a GM can do that makes great etiquette because you are actively trying to incorporate all of the rules above to have. Mutual respect, to communicate with each other, to give away control, give player agency, and have consistency in that.
0: Yeah. Be active is a great next rule, right? Because all of these rules are how you're supposed to guide the experience. These are guidelines for how you should behave. That's etiquette. And another thing is for me, you should be active. You Mm -hmm. should be throwing in new things into the mix. You should be making evolving games. You should be making incredibly interesting villains, right? However, that means what that means for you. That is entirely your thing. But act being active, right? Being active in the conversation, not just listening, being part of the play, making sure that your players stay on their toes, Leads Mm to a memorable experience. Being active, enforcing, encouraging, um, bringing in Mm -hmm. these and other rules. Making sure that your game is always fun. Being active is a big part of being a GM because the GM rule isn't reactive. But is it also, also not just active. Mm. But you need to be active to be a good GM. You need to be active in what you do. And that means introducing new things to play, talking to your players, enforcing these etiquette rules, and all of the above. Exactly. Just do stuff. Try to make your experience fun. And that is by just doing something. You can't do nothing. That mm. will never lead to good things.
1: Exactly. And I think with that, we are done for today. Thank you all for listening. And see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double DM. It appears you liked this one, what we had to say, and our advice helped you. Why not show us how we helped you in a rating, or even write a review detailing us how we helped. You can do this on the platform that you are listening on right now. It's just a few clicks, doesn't take long, and helps us out. It gets us out there and our advice into more ears of more people. Thanks again for listening and joining us on this amazing journey. Have a great day, and see you on the next one. Bye-bye.